This episode of Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone Podcast is brought to you by Vox, HPT Human Performance Technology. Athletes want and need safe, natural, and legal alternatives to achieve maximum performance. Vox Life HPT has harnessed the power of neuroscience and neuroactivation through their innovative and proprietary brand of athletic, wellness, and lifestyle socks, insoles, and 24-hour wearable neuro patches. There is a tech pattern or code on the bottom of the sock and insoles that stimulates neural points in the bottom of the foot, eliciting a signal through the central nervous system to the midbrain, creating homeostasis or equilibrium in the midbrain. Like doing a control, alt, delete. It helps the brain reorganize and maximize your neurology. The midbrain is responsible for automatic functions such as balance, stability, strength, and power, range of motion, flexibility, mobility, and pain modulation. Seven to nine seconds is all it takes to reach the midbrain. It's Fox with two X's for sports enthusiasts. Increase in stamina, increase in endurance and recovery, increased energy, stability, and power output. Adds 20% more efficiency to your workouts, increased agility and flexibility, increased freedom of movement and range of motion, increases power generation and output, maximize reps and workload, 8% improvement in time, executed force, 17% more eccentric force, Safe, affordable, non-invasive, non-electrical, no contraindications. Drug-free, stats on performance through independent studies at California Sports Institute, the Golf Lab, and Leuna Labor Organization. All information will be located on our podcast website, twofitcrazies.com. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm very you feeling good. better. I'm feeling better. Yeah, I feel great. Okay, always. All right. Well, we're coming off of our Boston Marathon episode 98 recap. We both had different cool experiences. I'm going to say it, that it was a, it was right. a, a like a really good solid B plus for me. Right. Well, you you were disappointed in your time. That's However, it. everything else was gold. Everything else, I'm. Absolutely. There's no. running and there's life. It was an A plus. A in plus life. on the life. Yeah. A plus right. on humanity. Fair enough. So evens out, you're getting like an A. All yeah. right. So fantastic. And again, with the curve. Again, everything is everything is relative, and I think that you know getting to the line of a race, putting yourself out there, is what it's all about. And I agree. I, you know what? Cheers to next year. That's right. That's it. Oh, we're going back. Oh, of course, I'm going every year that keep I'm healthy enough. Up. We're just going to keep. Thanks, Des. <laughs> Keep showing up, Des Linden. That's us. Can't get rid of us that fast. And um, today's episode, if... It, speaking of ups I, and downs in life. Speak, I'm Speaking of being almost speechless, Brian and I were speechless a couple times. I was times. actually speechless during I'm like, this interview. Uh, because you were going to hear today, this is episode 99. I mean, things are just... Things are pretty crazy. Um, you're going to hear from Matt Long and Matt's from Brooklyn, um, New York City firefighter, and triathlete, marathoner, and that's just the tip of the iceberg because his books and his speaking events did not come from his experience as a firefighter and as an athlete, but something that happened to him 
that Brian, I'm going to ask you to, to fill in, um, just briefly, cause we don't want to give away this whole thing. Right. So you'll, you'll hear oh. all, you'll hear all about it. Uh, during, uh, he was, uh, riding his bicycle on a, you know, to get to a training run, he was going to swim and he was With riding his a, team. Yeah. He was riding, riding his bicycle out to, uh, out to the training or, you know, where he trains and, uh, and he was hit by a bus, uh, you know, one of the buses, a coach bus that you'd see in, in the, si- 40 in the city, ton. 40 ton bus. And, um, you know, they gave him at the time a 1% chance to live like split in half yeah. by his bicycle. The bike, uh, was, was, uh, you know, impaled him for, I guess, uh, the best description. And, and he was, uh, you know, he, it was, it was really dire for a while and he, you know, spent much time, uh, you know, obviously he did live, uh, as he's on episode 99 and he, uh, was able to, it's unbelievable. He, he was able to, to rehab and, and, uh, and really come through and he's an incredible story. Uh, he wrote a book about the whole, uh, experience. It's, it's called, uh, the long run, uh, or long run and, uh, play on words with his last name. And, you know, it's just. I've I've read it, and then knowing that he was coming on the show, I I went back and listened to the Audible, um, you know, uh, um, book, and it was, it, it's just really, it's just an incredible story, and where he was leading up to it, his, you know, the the drive up and the and the in his um, competitive nature, uh, you know, the the life around the firehouse in New York City. Uh, there's even some nine eleven things in there that he talks about in the book, and, and then. You know, and then the accident, and then the rehab, and then the process, and then the the ups and downs mentally and physically of it all. And uh, you know, he he's just he's got a, a spirit that is very attractive. Uh, you know, he's got a a, a way about him that is, it, it, you know, it's just something that um, you know, what Christine will, will mention in the podcast. Um, you know, you understand why he lived because there is he he's serving a, a great purpose and he's serving uh, many with his story and his uh, you know his just a story of recovery and getting back out there and doing all these things. And it wasn't easy. And, uh, you know, he's just, uh, we're grateful that he would come on and, and, uh, and, and share his time with us because, um, you know, he, it just allows him to the story to go a little bit further than it already has, uh, you know, and, and allow it to, allows it to share it, allows us to share it with our audience, which is going to inspire people. It can't not inspire people. It's an amazing story. Uh, and he, you know, he's just, it, it was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, we really want you to listen uh, and uh, just uh, sit back and, uh, you know, think about this and, and think about, uh, you know, how you would handle it if you were put in this situation. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to think that if I were in this situation, I'd want to handle it just like Matt Long, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I, w- I like to think that I would do it this way and, and, uh, you know, continue to attack life with purpose and, and, uh, and continue to, uh, embrace the competitive nature that is within and, and really, um, you know, just, just make something, make the best out of a life that wasn't, uh, necessarily, uh, expected to continue. It's an amazing story. It's amazing. amazing. So you're all going to hear about why it happened and why he lived. And that's just sit back, everybody. Enjoy. Episode 99 of the Two Fit Crazy in a Microphone podcast. Matt Long. Enjoy.
is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. And I am not going to ask Brian how he's doing today. I'm always okay. <laughs> I'm always okay. You know who I'm going to ask how they're doing today? Ask them. Matt Long, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent, thank you. I love it. We are joined on episode, Brian, what is it? 99. Episode 99 of the Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone with the one and only Matt Long. I'm so excited. Matt, where are you coming to us today from? I'm coming to you. Uh, where else would you do a Two Fit Crazy podcast? But I'm in my garage gym in Rockaway Beach, New York. All right. You know what I love, Matt, about you already is your accent. I am a New Yorker <laughs> at heart. And I just, I mean, I don't really think you have an accent. Some people say that oh, I have an accent. Nor do I, Christine. Right, exactly. It's everyone so, else. Everybody it's everyone else. else. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I feel at home on uh, today's podcast. <laughs> The accent comes to you from Brooklyn, New York, baby. That's, that's right. That's where my mom's from. So I'm a, you know, how, there you go. You know, oh, a couple of, how you doing? How <laughs> you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Brooklyn, New York, of course, you know, a nice, a nice Irish family. You, you got, uh, how many brothers and sisters, Matt Long? I am number two of nine. I have eight siblings. Unbelievable. So, and that's how it works, God right? God bless your mother. Yeah. Yes, God bless my mother. I, I wish uh, TV and Netflix and all that stuff was probably around uh, in, in the '60s when they were getting going, but I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have uh, nine cousins in uh, in one family. Uh, my aunt and uncle have nine kids, and uh, they're in Syracuse, New York. And they always said it was the long winters. Uh, you know, you have nine <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. long winters and the rhythm method. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Where is this going? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this is firehouse banter here. We got some firehouse banter going on here. So uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, long, long and short of it. Um, no pun intended. Get it? Um, you know, w- we bring Matt on. He's got a very interesting story. Um, you know, he's New York City Fire Department. Um, you know, and training at you know an athlete in training uh, to do uh, you know some some endurance events. Um, you know, when he was been, he was training for, for, uh, he trained for New York City Marathon. And in that New York City Marathon, he qualifies for the Boston Marathon. He's running with the fire department crew against the, uh, NYPD crew, which is always a, uh, I'm sure a pretty cutthroat, uh, endeavor with, uh, battling, uh, between those two parties. And, uh, you know, and, and moving on to, uh, some triathlon. He started with triathlons. Am I correct, Matt? Yes. Yeah. My, my endurance career started with, uh, triathlons. All right. How did you get into it? Let's let's uh, let's kind of start from scratch. I, I think that you you know you had you were you were working and you wanted to maybe uh, lose some weight and press some ladies. What happened? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, definitely <laughs> wanted to uh, lose some weight and press the ladies. Um, so look, I, I was an athlete my entire life. I played basketball. I played rugby, um, and I was o- always up for a challenge. And a good friend of mine. Um, he just called me up one day. He said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this triathlon at, uh, St. Anthony's down in, uh, Florida. And, um, uh, he's, he said, we're going to raise some money for cancer. So I said, oh, all right. I said, I'm in. I said, but I need a bike and I need to learn how to swim. I grew up in, uh, going to the beach in the Rockaways, uh, as a kid, but you know, just, just playing around in the surf doesn't qualify you as a swimmer. Um, you know, going out and swimming a mile is, is not easy, uh, 
so I had to learn how to swim. You're preaching to the um, choir over here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. I know. Um, so yeah, so I, I signed up. I signed up with this group called Team in Training. Um, it's, it's where most newbie triathletes get their start on the East Coast. Raise some money with a good group of people. We were successful raising money. It was like a six month program, but I I took it to the next level. Um, halfway through the training, when I realized how bad I was, and this is my first pool story, I'll tell you. We get we go up to Riverbank uh, State Park. I got a big aquatic center, Olympic sized pool, and maybe seven or eight lanes. And I, I the the coach from the team and training says, okay, just you know pick a lane. First two lanes are beginner. Next two lanes are medium pace. Uh, last the next two lanes are fast, and then you have the advanced lane in the last lane. So I, I have my first of all, I was a little subconscious about my my uh, swim jam is walking around. I'm usually a board short guy. <laughs> so I have a towel around my waist, and I'm sizing everyone up, and I'm I'm looking at their body types, and I'm going, I'm faster than her. I, I'm in better shape than him. So I just kept moving down. I next thing you know, I'm in like the last medium pace. I was like, fast is probably scary, so I may go medium. So I jump in the first lane, the medium, and I start my start down for the 50 meter swim. And uh, the coach is at the other end, taps me on the shoulder before I come off the wall. And he goes, "Excuse me," and I said, "Yes." He goes, "Bring your big shoulders over to the first lane, please." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay." So under the ropes, under the ropes, under the ropes. Get to the first lane. He goes, "How long have you been swimming?" I said, "I'm just learning." He goes, "Good, you stay here for a while." <laughs> Hey, you know, no. our, our mind mind will tell us things, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Matt, you exactly. made it across the pool. Winning, I don't know, when you first start, like not drowning is really an accomplishment is what I have found. Yeah. I, so, I, you know, it was a little humbling, but uh, but I did I did take it to, to the next level. And like after three weeks of training, starting to get a little bit of a groove, I, I went to a without telling my friends or anything else, I went down to Florida for a, a one week triathlon training camp. And I don't, I, I was, my first triathlon was actually there, which I DNF. It was the end of the camp. You had to do a triathlon. I, I DNF it, but, uh, but it was a great learning experience. I came back and, and that was it. I, in 14 months, I went from Olympic distance to Ironman. Wow. And, and, uh, your first Ironman was Lake Placid. Is that correct? Lake Placid, yeah, Lake right. Placid, 2005. We got to cheer on my homegirl here, Christine, uh, in uh, this this summer's uh, this most recent Lake Placid. She went up and uh, and knocked that thing down. It's a beautiful race, isn't it? Yeah, she keeps, uh, she that's keeps... a word. <laughs> beautiful is a word. Um, she keeps trying to get me involved with that stuff. I, I don't know. I'm kind of a one trick pony. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, I didn't. You know what, Matt? I couldn't. I was the same way. I grew up on the beaches of Long Island, Robert Moses, things like that. And, you know, we had a boat growing up and it, it's just a different beast. I wasn't a swimmer. Yeah. I was a volleyball player. Like, it, you know, it, I never swam. So my actually my 10 year old son was my swim coach. He's an a, a, uh, advanced <laughs> swimmer. And, um, Matt, he's amazing. He's like junior, he's, junior Olympics. He has, he's junior Olympics. I don't know where he gets it from. Um, but it's just a separate beast totally from, you know, from going out in the waves and whatnot and, and forget it when you can't see and forget you're talking about swimming in a pool. We're talking about swimming in, you know, open waters and whatnot is just, uh, it's just different, you know, different, yeah, it's uh, experience. A different animal. I, I love when you talk to people who haven't tried it and they say, Oh, well, I mean, the swim I can handle. The swim is easy. I yeah. can do the oh, swim. 
Uh, yeah, the bike would be no problem. You know, oh, I said, okay, yeah, right. You just mm-hmm. got to swim two, four, and four miles, yeah. bike 112. Oh, and the marathon? Oh, I got that. Yeah. Yes, I've done that. I'm like, yeah. okay, good luck. When yeah. I came out of the water mat, it looked like I won the Olympic gold medal. <laughs> like you could, I was like, I'm done. This is, this is fantastic. That's <laughs> victory. <laughs> so now, so now you got, so now you go from, you know, you go from like, all right, this, I, I think I can do this to I do this. So now you do an Ironman. Okay. This, obviously you're not the norm. You're also in good company with the two fit crazies today. Now what's mm-hmm. going on? <laughs> So, you know, like I said, I, what, I started to see the changes in my body, which is what I liked. I did, I did need to lose a little weight. And, um, you know, I wasn't – I guess I was heavy for my size. I was about 212 and I'm 5'11". Uh, and on the shoes I wear, 5'10", uh, <laughs> at best. So I went down like 178. I felt great. Uh, at, at the energy – you know, like you can talk to anyone who, who gets into a routine – your energy levels are up. Your mood is different. The way you approach life is different. So I just enjoyed it, and I liked what it did to me. So I took it to that next level, to the Ironman, and um, and then it got then I then I started to get competitive. It was no longer fun. It was like a, it was like part, part fun, but also hey, look, where my place in my age group? Um, can I qualify for Boston? That was my big thing. You know, I, I wanted to. I not, I not only wanted to qualify for Boston in 2005, but I wanted to be a part of that fire department. Um, team that be- that beats the police department in the New York City Marathon. <laughs> that beats them. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, Brian, when I travel talking to people, I tell a little story about the Mayor's Cup, and it, it is it is a very um, uh, friendly, competitive uh, race, the Mayor's Cup, but there are a lot more red plaques on there than there are blue. Okay, there you uh, go. And uh, what I like to... So what, what the policemen like to say is that we have a better schedule, 24 hours we work, maybe we're off at 36 hours, so we get better training time. And, and I agree with them. They work, you know, regular nine to five shifts if they get an arrest or an overtime. Um, so they probably have less time to train as a group than uh, the fire department does. But my comeback to them is America doesn't run on Duncan. Oh man, I well, you, I, th- I I I don't know for sure, but I think your job's a little more physical than theirs too, right? It can be, it can be. Their their job is just as physical. It's yeah. a friendly rivalry. Okay, but uh, you know, this forty thousand police officers is only ten thousand firemen. Okay, so come on, you got to be able to pull a couple of good uh, runners. It's only the top five that score. That's and right. I'm, I'm sorry, were you, were you just trying to make excuses? Like, were we just trying to make excuses for a group of people? No, 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 no. Okay, just making sure, just making sure, you know. Yeah, no, no, we don't accept excuses. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you've run 2000 and, uh, well, I guess it's 2004, you have a pretty a pretty good New York City Marathon, right? No, no, 2005. 2005. So, so IMM, that was... I, yeah, the Ironman was in July. Okay. And I, I, I PR'd my best marathon time in the Ironman. Okay. And and then went to the New York City Marathon. I, I shut down everything except for swimming for the summer and just concentrated on the running. And I got a, I got my my marathon Ironman down um, to a 313. So I was pretty pumped. Nice. 
Very nice. Yeah. And that was a good day. The, you know, in, in the book, it's, it's tremendous. You know, you just hear the stories. You got the guy who's probably, you know, the veteran who's a little bit faster that, uh, you know, and you're, you're catching up to these guys and then some, you know, and, and you're, you're, they're calling you out. Come on, Matt. You're, you know, you're fourth, you're fifth. And I think you ended up right third on the team that, that, that year in, in New York. Uh, no, I finished fourth. Oh, fourth. Okay. Fourth. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I finished fourth. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, uh, story and, and just one of those things where you hear it a lot. You hear it a lot with running, right? Running and, and I guess in, endurance sports mostly. I speak mostly for running because that's my thing. But, you know, you put the time in, you put the effort in and you, you know, it does become a little bit, you know, absolutely has to become at some point competitive, um, at least within your own mind of, of where, where am I in age group and how do I, how do I rank and how do I stack up against this stuff? But, you know, it's, it's definitely something that if you put the work in, uh, you know, some good things are, are going to happen. And, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's awesome that, that you, that you got that. Um, a lot of people will kind of just say, oh, I got the medal and I'll never do that again. Um, but that's not us, right? No, it's 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 definitely definitely not the, the group that I run in. But you, you're right, Brian. It's it's um you know a lot of people um look everyone knows that one person that can just do anything, right? You know, and and they don't have to work as hard as you. But uh, you, you know, you you yourself, you 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 need to know what you're what you're physically capable of and what you're mentally capable of. And it's the mental part that's going to push people to quit or stop and move on before the physical. I mean, I, I really, like, my family was even, you know, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I, I lived in Manhattan and my family lived in Brooklyn. Easter dinner in 2005, I ran home. <laughs> you know, I, I like, two, like, two days before, I saw my brother, I said, oh, here's my bag for Easter. He's like, what's that? I go, just bring my clothes to mom's. I'm running to, to Easter dinner. And they're like, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why I haven't makes, done that, that before. That makes good sense. I mean, we have to juggle these schedules and it, you know, it's got to fit in somehow. And Easter dinners, you, you're not going to get out of that. So you got to fit your run in. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I remember running, I remember running five Ks, local five Ks, 10 Ks when, you know, when I was younger for charity or for a cause, whatever. And then always making fun of the guy you saw, you know, doing the course in reverse because he's cooling down. Yes. Yeah, I get so it. Well, guess who I became? Yeah. yeah you know, mm-hmm. I, I finished about 5K in, in, in 2005, and I was in top form, and I, I think I'm like 1910. And next thing you know, I'm running reverse, cheering everybody on, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm that guy. They're like looking <laughs> at me like, give me the stink eye. <laughs> he's already done. He's doing it backwards. Always. you got to circle back. That's all right. That's you got to go get your troops. Yeah. I always go back and get my people. I'm done. <laughs> then i got to go bring everybody else in. That's how it works, isn't it? Aren't we like a tribe? Yeah. So, uh, so, so with that, you know, we get through, uh, November of, of 2005, a marathon takes place. It's going really well. You qualify for Boston. You're looking forward to, to doing all that. And, and, uh, uh, you know, you're still in training. Uh, you're, you're, um, you know, you're, you're training for some, some triathlons. I think you had a, a swim, was it lined up for the morning of, uh, December 22nd, 2005? What went yeah, on? But, so, um, so the guys that, that I worked with at the fire academy at that moment, I was detailed to the fire academy. So I was I was in the health and fitness unit training the new recruits that we call probies, uh, probationary firefighters. And um, so you, normally our day would start around six thirty in the morning, but we would meet at five thirty uh, a little later and, and head over to the pool and swim, get a little workout in, have breakfast as as a team, and. Um, 
you know, and lo and behold, that's that's the day that um, I was hit by a 40,000 pound bus and kind of instead of bouncing off the bus, I was sucked underneath it. It's, uh, you know, and, and it's crazy. I, I, I read the book. I read your book, you know, when it first came out. I was familiar. He keeps mentioning in the book, Christine, you know, for the people listening, it's the long run. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> pump Real it, that, pump it. The long run. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, it's already been mentioned, Matt. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, and, and we, and you talk about it, just the circumstances of it all. I mean, you know, you talk about something that, you know, definitely shouldn't have happened, right? The circumstances yeah. of mm-hmm. it, the, 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 the transit strike, uh, you know, which which I know you feel strongly about, um, the, you know, the fact that that, you know, leads to a, 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 you know, a ban on on cars without certain number of passengers in the city. And you're worried about getting mm-hmm. back and doing all these things. And, the you know, the tra- trains are shut down. So, you can't, you know, you're just limited. So you hop on a bike in the middle of December in, in Manhattan, which is, you know, it's cold enough. And, uh, you know, the bus itself is a, is a charter, right? That's, that's not supposed to be there. It's only there because of the transit strike. Uh, you know, they're taking some employees, uh, to work. Correct. And, you know, mm-hmm. just like, just these, 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 all these things coming to a point, uh, you know, with you really being the, you know, at the tip of the point. And, uh, I mean, what, what's the thought? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, what, what do you think about when, when you think about all those circumstances? Yeah. You know, um, look, people, unfortunately are involved in, you know, bicycle vehicle accidents all the time. Um, but mine, I felt was a, 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 a outcome of all the circumstances from that week, the transit strike, tipping it off, the mayor putting restrictions on the travel of, of single occupancy cars coming into Manhattan. Um, I, I, I'm not by any means, am I angry about it anymore? Um, I to, to, to solely believe that the, the the transit union that went on strike is is the cause, the ultimate cause of this, and it was the domino effect or a trickle down effect that put me and the bus on the street at the same time. Um, however, you know, when I really think about it, I have to think about okay, well, well, well not you know, why did it happen, and and why did I live? You know, well, you know, the truth is, here I am spending two years of my life in like in crazy endurance training all for this one race that happens, you know, on Patriots day in Boston. And there was a bigger picture. I was actually doing something else. I was training for my own life because all the doctors that operated on me, everyone that saw me 100% said that if I was not in the physical condition I was in, I would have been dead. Wow. It's amazing, you know. It's just uh, it, 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 you never, you never. You just, it's just um, it's it's got me speechless here a so, little bit. <laughs> all right, so this is this is. I mean, I'm I'm the thinker over here, sitting back and like going through my head. Is this so on on this morning? And again, bringing us back to what, like, what goes through your head? And again, I've had some moments in my life where I thought this was it. Did you think this was it on that morning? I mean, leading up to the accident or when it happened? When it happened. I mean, did you think that well, this this be, was it? I mean, you've, you've lived this great life and you're this firefighter and you're a family person. And, you know, was this like, oh, my gosh, 
you know, did you have that moment of, I'm not going to make it out of this or, you know, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. I have to be completely honest. And I I didn't have that moment. The, this is it moment. It happened for several weeks after when I was awoke, when I was awoken from the coma. Mm -hmm. Um, but here's, here's what I, 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 what I do know is this, is that when I, when the bus hit me and I hit the pavement, my mind shut everything out and I have no memory, no hard memory of my accident. Okay. I, I only know what people told me and I've seen it because the accident was captured on videotape for surveillance cameras. Oh man. So I've watched it and, and everyone told me I shouldn't, mm-hmm. but I did. And I, I was like, look, I said, this is one of my lessons from the accident is how powerful the mind is. The, Bottom line is, if I was allowed to to remember how I felt when it happened, the pain, the oh no or the oh shit moment, mm-hmm. um, that I'd never get back on a bike again. I'd never want to be around the city that that the PTSD would be awful. I can only imagine, and um, and I don't, so I don't I don't have any memory of it, um, and, and I didn't remember most of the things that led up to that month people had to tell me things and they came back to me. You know, I remember sitting in the hospital and they were coming to check me and they would talk to me. People were just like, Oh Matt, do you like to travel? And I was like, no, I don't like to travel. And one of my fireman friends were next to me. He's like, what are you talking about? He said, we just came back from Puerto Rico. We had a great time. We were in Vegas uh, two weeks before that. He goes, you love to travel. And I went, Oh yeah. Hey, you know what? I was in Puerto Rico with him. Yeah. I do. I do like to travel. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they basically tell me, I said, look, this is going to happen. You, you probably have some temporary, uh, amnesia and your memory has been knocked out of you for a little while, but it'll come back as people tell you things. And it did, but the accident itself, never. Wow. It, it was, you know, it, it just, it's, it was about as extreme and, you know, it, it's, it, it should have been fatal. I mean, not, I mean, it, it could have very well been, um, take us through some of the injuries. What, uh, you know, what, what did you, what, how did it end up? And, uh, you know, with, with you in the hospital and the blood loss mm-hmm. and all those things. Well, I mean, the uh, way I like to say it is that the, the you know, the bus, you know, the only thing I do when I, when I drive around the city now, I look at a bus and I'm like, wow, there's only about 10 inches between the chassis of the bus and the, the pavement. How did I get under there with my bike? And it's plain and simple. You know, the bike and I basically, basically became one. The frame of the bike cut me in half. Um, my doctor would, would, would always tell me that my right leg, was no longer functionally attached to my body. My left leg, every bone compound fracture. So tib, fib, femur, all compound fracture. My right side of my pelvis was shattered and my femoral artery was severed and I was bleeding to death. Um, my abdominal wall was torn out and, and just, I don't know where it was, but it was just torn out. <laughs> um, and my left shoulder was also shattered. Um, so I was a mess, <laughs> you know, in non-medical terms, I was a complete mess. And, um, I have a rod that goes from my hip to my heel and my left leg. Oddly enough, I broke no bones in my right, but that right side suffered all the nerve damage. So, um, a lot of the muscle did not come back. So, um, my, like I always joke when I ride with people now that I, Hey, take it easy on the Hills. I only, I ride with one glute <laughs> and, um, my right side glute never, you know, never developed. I'm probably at maybe 25, 30%. 
Um, so if I if I like to show people when I'm when I'm training people or coaching, I have to do all my demonstrations on my left leg because I can't stand on my right leg uh, unassisted. I just collapse at, at the at the hip. Um, the biggest thing was the blood loss from the femoral artery and the different other points of, that I would bleed in. They couldn't find it. So in the first 10 or 11 hours, I, I received more than 69 units of blood. And that's, that's, that's more than 11 times your body's blood volume. Um, and I remember one of my doctors telling me that the nurses were like, you know, we need to stop. We're wasting blood. This guy's not going to make it. Wow. That's, uh, so my doctor said, my doctor went out to my mom and said, you know, this is what's going on. You know, he's got a 1% chance to live. And my mother being a, um, you know, stubborn Irish Catholic, uh, woman and, and, and very deep in her faith. She goes looked at the doctor and said, do the best you can. He's running the Boston Marathon in April. He worked really hard for it. <laughs> That's awesome. It. That's right. That's, and a lot of prayer. And, and she knew you. Mm -hmm. She knew you, Matt. You know, like she knew that, that, you know, that there was, uh, you know, you're, you're a fighter. You know, you're a scrappy guy. And, and, uh, and if there was 1% chance, you know, if there's, if there's breath, there's hope. And, uh, hope. That that's right. Yep. If if Matt, if you could have spoken, you may or may not have been like, I'm an effing Iron Man. And that also <laughs> helps as well. He didn't have to tell them. They he knew. Well, well, they knew. That's, that was the I'm key just, to survival. I'm just saying, Iron Men don't go yeah. down that fast, Matt. That's right. That's right. You know, and my doctor, my doctor went back into the room and told his team we need to looked up at the monitor and I'm friends with all my doctors today. And he tells me, he goes, I remember looking at that screen and your heartbeat was 29 beats per minute. No way. And he goes, we need to keep working on him. We don't know what his body's uh, capable of. Mm -hmm. And they and they didn't give up. Thank God. And, you know, some people get into shape so that they can uh, look good in, naked or in a bathing suit or whatever. You know, other people, yeah. it's, it's like survival. You never know. Like the extremes that that a, that a fit body can can you know the benefits of it are it's endless i mean it, it can keep you alive mm -hmm. 100 yeah. and my lungs and my heart were conditioned so well that they were they were like we got this just relax we got this it's incredible it's i mean it's it's uh you know it's it's hard it's hard to to wrap your head around i mean all of it for us it's hard to wrap our head around and uh and you know and as i said i, I read the book a while ago and then just knowing you were coming on the show i listened to it again i put it on audible and uh you know it's just it's just like the, really that just hearing it again and and actually hearing it in a voice with some inflection and 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 things like that you just kind of you know you gather this the massive you know amount of of just everything that that goes along with it it's you know it's it's life it's the fragility of it it's it's the circumstances it's all these things and then you know and then it's like okay now you know now you're alive now you lived now what yeah and, and you know now we gotta we gotta work back so how's that go uh well that was the probably the tougher part it was a slow process to say the least um I kind of, uh, look, I spent three months, I'm sorry, five months in the hospital. Three months of that I spent upstairs in a, in a rehabilitation center. And I like to say or think that the first three months of rehab upstairs and maybe the first four to five months of, of rehabilitation as an outpatient was a waste of time because I wasn't mentally in, in, invested 
and I was having, you know, um, I was, I was having a pity party. You know, I was, I was, I was feeling sorry for myself. I was getting depressed. I was worried about why, uh, this happened, why I lived, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I was asking all the, I was asking the right questions, but the wrong way. Um, and you know, I, I was, I was getting depressed. It, it took it took me I, I I would say six to ten months post uh, leaving the hospital to really start to think about being able to do anything than sit in this wheelchair and um, and once the mindset kicked in then I started seeing small changes the same way I saw them when I was you know 212 pounds getting into triathlon. I started to see small changes and with every small change or small accomplishment in life, you, if you continually build on it, next thing you know, you do this huge success. So what were some of those things that started to click for you? Cause I've, I always think of it as a chain, you know, it's like you've got one link and then, all right, either, you know, you're building upon that link and building and building. And finally, all of a sudden, you know, you've, you've got this long chain of, wow, this, this is helpful. How was it just something, was it little at a time that you, you know, really it's mindset. you you rewired your mindset. You're building your body, but that's great. Your body's fantastic, but without your mind, you got nothing. I say that all the time. Without your mind, you got nothing. So you got nothing. how did, how did you kind of put those pieces together? Well, you know, again, the hero in my story is, is my mother. And there was a moment where I got some bad news and I looked at, as bones were starting to get the heel and, and I was starting to get strength back. Um, I was really hanging my hopes on, on having a, abdominal surgery and getting my colostomy bag reversed, you know, getting that, getting that out of my way. Cause that, that was a big hurdle for me. And I know people uh, that suffer from colon cancer and, and other things um, live happy and healthy, healthy lives with it. I just wasn't there mentally. And I was told that it's not going to be, uh, t- you know, it's not going to happen. And that's, that was like the pivot or the bottom of my depression where I t- basically asked my mother, I said, I'm glad you prayed and I wish you prayed for me to die because I don't, no one deserves this. And I, I guess I was reaching out for a hug and she didn't give me, you know, she put her hands on the table and she yelled at me and she said, enough's enough. She said, you're not the only person in this world that's suffering. You're not the only person in this world that's been through a, a run of bad luck. She goes, and you, you didn't do it alone. You have eight brothers and sisters, your mother and father. We've all been here every night for you. So she says, it's up to you to change it and do the best you can and live the best life you can. And that took some time to set in, but that was it. So what I like to uh, use as an analogy is when I, I remember growing up or, or even being a firefighter in Spanish Harlem, I remember going to like, oh, a gas leak on a stove and you had those old stoves with the pilot light that's always burning in the middle. And well, the pilot light went out and you could smell the gas in the apartment. So that's what I like to say about the human spirit. We all have this pilot light burning in us, every one of us. Someone has to come around and turn those on for you or show you how. And what my mother did that day was turn on my burners. And, to- it's, and, totally and my human, my... it's totally not yeah, getting my... dusty in here, Matt. It's totally not getting dusty. What's that? It's totally not getting dusty in here, Matt. <laughs> well it's, it's totally not getting dusty. God. <laughs> 
So, so that's what she did. And she turned my burners on and, and, and my human spirit, my spirit started really firing up. And, and I got, I, I, I got mentally vested in my therapy. I, I went back to the gym and I had this gross, I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe it for those listening, but I mean, I had a, a size of a, I looked pregnant. Okay. He, I, I looked pregnant two ways. Okay. I, in fact, I'm probably the only guy that can tell you what it feels like to be pregnant physically. And I, so I, if I stood up, cause I had no abdominal wall. If I stood up, I had this huge hernia. And as soon as I stood up, my belly went out as if I was eight months pregnant. And not only that, at the same time, I had breast implants on the inside of my uh, right side of my abdomen. And I was having them increased every day or every week to stretch my skin so that someday they'd be able to close my abdomen. So I had this kettlebell. I'm looking at a kettlebell right now. So I said, okay, I had this kettlebell-sized implant that every day, every week I went to the doctor and he filled it with saline and it got bigger and bigger. And I had this hernia in, in the center of my belly and I would go to the gym. And I would just sit, people, I, I know they were looking at me, you know, and I would, I, it, it didn't care, I didn't care anymore. You know, I didn't care because I was fired up. I was on a mission. That's and awful. my mom did that to me. And you know, it's, it's, she got me fired up. It, it's, it was there. I mean, all the, all the ingredients for the depression, all the, you know, all the circumstances are, are there. And, uh, you know, you just, like you said, you need that, that, the catalyst, that, that flame to be lit in some way. And then once you get the momentum and, and everybody likes feeling good, right? I have a, I have a big buddy of mine, uh, and, and we always, and his famous quote is feeling good makes me feel good. And, uh, you know, we, we get a little bit more of it and, you know, it's just, it's, un, it's an unstoppable force and, and you're an unstoppable force. I mean, the things that, that, that you've been able to, to recover and come back to do, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, just to endure all the surgeries is, uh, is, is enough. And, uh, you know, you've, you've done like incredible, you know, incredible things since then, uh, including what? Wait, I want, hold right, on before this. Wait, I'm not even ready for this. Right. Matt, so <laughs> how many months was it before you could walk unassisted? Um, I would say I, w- I was walking for a good two years with a cane. Mm, okay. And I probably didn't need the cane the entire two years, but uh, I, I went uh, after I moved out to Arizona to, to take the therapy to a next level uh, and came back to Manhattan. I lived in Manhattan and they, they don't, they don't care if you're on crutches or in, in, a, in a cane, you know, people, people got places to be. Mm-hmm. And I, my balance is not good. So I kept the cane for balance. Um, it also it looks pretty cool. I, looks pretty cool too. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, it was a nice walking <laughs> stick. Had a gold breast top. My initials were on it. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it was a conversation piece where for some people who just overstep their bounds and look at you go ah meniscus. I go shut up. <laughs> no <laughs> bus. It's not it's not my meniscus. Shut up. Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, you know, so two years without a. Uh, uh, before I started walking without assistance, it was about two years before I ran my first mile. Um, and, and, and then two years before my goals started to change and, and, you know, got the desire to run again, got the desire to swim again and, and all that stuff. That, that first mile is an interesting story. Tell us about that. 
So yeah, I, I so you know I when I was looking to 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 get a change of scenery and really take the train in, uh, to the next level, I was looking for places to go in the warm weather climate, and I would email a bunch of facilities, and most of the facilities responded back to me saying. Uh, and when I emailed them, I sent them clippings of, of what happened to me. And um, most of the places wrote me back saying, uh, you should have no problem. We could think about helping you, but you should have realistic ex- expectations. And the, I didn't even respond. I just deleted. Um, you know, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. How can you put a limit on my goals or my expectations? You know, hear me out first. And these two guys from Arizona, Kyle Herrig and Mark Delazio, it was a, a PT strength and conditioning coach combo. Mark was the PT. Kyle was the strength and conditioning guy. And uh, they both responded back to me. said, we would never tell anyone they couldn't run again. And that was it. Done. I moved out there three weeks later to work with them. And I have a lifelong friendship with them. Unfortunately, um, Mark came to see me do the marathon. Kyle couldn't come, but he said, if, if I ever decide to go back to Ironman and he didn't know I was going to do that, he said, if you ever go back to do Ironman, I'll do it with you. I called him up and said, Hey, it looks like you're doing your first Ironman. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, but yeah, so I went to Arizona and, and we worked out for three months and it was so funny. Like I, I just went on that email and I never sat down with them and said, well, how are we going to get me running again? I just did what they told me to do five days a week. And then closer to the finish, I said, you know, I'm leaving here April 15th or whatever it was. And I said, how is this all going to translate to running? And they looked at me and said, hey, good question. Let's go. And that's it. And I said, what? I said, I said excuse me? He said, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go running today. I said, uh, okay. And at that point, I still walk him with a cane. Put the cane down. We worked on my stride. We got it moving. I ran a mile in like 17 or 18 minutes, I think it was. I didn't fall down, and I, and I was pretty happy. That's a heck of a day. And yeah, how many? Heck of a day. How many years ago was that? After was that? You said about two years after. Yeah, about two years. Okay. So uh, my accident was oh five. I ran that. That was actually 2008. Yeah, so almost so, three years. Almost three years. Incredible, and uh, you know what, what? You know these these healers that you've had in your life, these doctors. You know, just uh, you know from the the ones at the scene. Uh, you know that that helped you. You know, first responders, and and uh, you know some of them. I, I'm sure you're associated with, uh, and and the doctors at the hospital, and you know all these PT folks, and all these healers in your life. I mean. Uh, you know, just what a tremendous um, blessing to to have had these people co- to come across the right ones. You know, uh, there's probably many that will, could have been the right ones, but these just were the right ones for you. Um, you know, what, talk about that a little bit. You know, you're you're hundred percent correct. So I, I like, for, first of all, I like the first person, and I I joke. That's the fire fire department, police department banter. I joke about the Dunkin' Donuts thing, but the first guy credited for my life saving is the police officer. And while they were trying to uh, extricate me from underneath the bus and get the bike out of my abdomen, um, there was no time for him to put on blue gloves and all this stuff. And he, he had heard one of the firemen say like, Holy shit, it's Matt long. And they, he looked up and said, you know him? He said, he's a fireman. And he just reached into my groin with his bare hand and held my femoral artery shut. Oh my gosh. To, to slow the bleeding. Now, no one would do that. 
in today's world, you're not supposed to. It's against all the rules. You know, put a glove, put a glove on and protect yourself. And he didn't do that. And that was Officer Kelly from the ESU unit. So he's the first person, first angel in my in my uh, Hall of Fame. You know. Um, I, and then it goes from there is that, hey, everything, like you said, everything was lined up. My accident happened at 5.30 in the morning. If my accident happened at 8, 8.30, 9 o'clock, they, I, I die because they can't get me into an emergency room quick enough because all the surgeries have already un, are started. So, you know, I went from operating room to operating room to operating room because there was no one in there yet. They were, they were prepped for the day. So I got I got really really lucky that that the time I mean uh, here I am telling you I got lucky I got hit by a bus. Right. Um, <laughs> I got really lucky uh, for a, a lot of cards being in the right place. Good doctors, uh, kind and and courageous police officers environment, and then then just having the hospital ready for them. All right. You know what? You know what, Brian? That Matt is so amazing, is that he you I know you just said this that you said you got lucky, right? Because that is the exact reason why you are so amazing. You get hit by this bus and you're not like, I'm angry at the world. This sucks. I hate this. This happened. And, and you could easily see this like a lot of people do as why me? Woe is me? You know, and everyone's against me. And yet you turn this around. You know, whether it was your, you know, the kick in the ass by your mom or whoever was around and you say like, Oh, everything's lined up. Yeah, lucky you're seeing this just like, you know, I like to tell people as well, like you have two choices in life. Like, you know, you could you could see this as a, as something that's awful or you can see it as a gift. And I truly mm-hmm. see that you are someone that sees what happened to you as a gift. And when you said you went back to this, I wrote it down. You said, why did it happen? And why did I live? And I think I mean, you have this to the extreme in in life with anything. Why did this happen? Well, it, it, did it happen for a negative reason? So many people use this. I think you have seen this and you have grown from it and you mentally accepted this happened to me for a reason. I was chosen. And I know that, you know, no one wants to choose to get hit by a bus. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be the first one online for that. But right. but you were yeah, chosen. I'm with you. And, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, but you were, ch- I mean, honestly, like I can't say this enough that you were chosen because you you have this ability to see what happened to you as a gift and now by by going through the lows by literally working your way back from from death pretty much and from mm-hmm. 1% being alive to now you're like 100% alive I'm not going to lie you might even be more I don't know you could maybe you're like half bionic Matt like I mean like with all the stuff <laughs> that you've had but this is this is life and this is what I think you know, our listeners and everyone out in the world and with your book and, and all your speaking engagements now, this is what life is about. And this is what people miss sometimes that you got to turn that negative into a gift. And now you're going out Mm -hmm. there and you're inspiring other people to find their own gifts. And I call it your shine. You got to listen to your shine, find your shine and go with it. And, you know, coming back now, we just said that, you know, you, you ran your mile, but that, that wasn't good enough for you because, you know, you're you're an F and Iron Man, Matt, and you're many other things you've been through. So of course that mile was just the the little sprinkles on your icing and cake here. Now your mind is in the right place. Now where are you going? What what are you set on? 
Well, look, so yeah, I, so I set some more goals and, and, and I, I wanted to, I had a little list and I wanted to, I didn't want the bus to change who I had become. And I'd become a, a, a fairly good marathoner. Look, anyone who qualifies for Boston, that's it. You qualify for Boston. You, you, you've made it in the marathon world. Um, so I, I, I didn't want the bus to change that. So I wanted to go back and say, okay, I don't care what time or how long it takes me. I, I want to cross another marathon finish line. And, and then in the back of my head, I said, and if I can do that, then I want to go back and, and finish my Ironman story. And, and then I will, from there, find something else. And that, at, that, at that moment is when I would have this, you know, aha moment with myself and say, okay, now it's okay to let go of marathon and, and Ironman on my terms, not the buses. Um, and, and I, thank, you know, I did it. I, I had a time in my head. I said, if I can run that marathon in under nine hours, then I know I can go to Lake Placid and I, and I have, um, I have eight hours to do the swim in the bike. And, and, you know, I finished in seven, seven hours and 21 minutes. My comeback marathon. <laughs> it hurt like hell. It's amazing. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, anyone can run fast. Try and train to run slow. Pain. It does hurt. You know, yes. Absolutely. Pain. Seven and a half hours of just constant movement. And, um, you know, it, it, it hurt. It hurt bad. But, but I was also really, I had the same feeling I had when I finished in the 313. I was relieved. I was excited. I was pumped. And I was like, that's it. You know, I'm in like classes next year. Here I come. And then Iron Man Lake Placid comes up. Yeah, and then 2009, I, um, so, so, you know, being experienced, like I tell people now today, if you've run a couple of marathons, that I don't see why you, you're out there pay, pounding the pavement doing multiple 20s. Once you have that distance mentally conquered, you, you really don't need to put in quantity. You got to put in quality. So mentally, I knew I could do the marathon. I just did a 721. I've already done an Ironman in my head in 2005. So I, I had to train properly to get to that line healthy. And, um, you know, I, I didn't run at all. I, I did, uh, I did double, double back-to-back spin classes. And then I was on an elliptical for two hours Okay. or the, or the arc or the arc trainer. It's, you know, it's like symbolizes running yes, a little more, yeah, yep. but I, I did, I did no outside running at, at all, except for one race. I went to the mighty Montauk. Uh, Robert J. Aaron triathlon. That's the first week of June every mm-hmm. year. And it was, it was, uh, one of the first races I did with my college roommate. And I, I called them up and I said, uh, Hey, here, here's who I am. Here's what's happening. They knew of my story. I said, and in next month, I'm doing the Lake Placid Ironman. I can, can I get into this race? And I, I need to know, I need to put it all together in one training session. And uh, that was the only time I ran. I ran, I ran a 5K in Montauk, and that 5K is brutal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, 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 it's all, it's, you know, you think you're out on the beach, but it's hill for the 5K. And uh, it was brutal, but I did it. And your body, that the whole thing with your training too. You're, it's cardio. It's endurance. You're, you know, sometimes your body doesn't know what what is what. You're just you're really conditioned and you're really trained, and you really have an amazing mental outlook on everything. 
You're not letting in, you know, yeah, it's painful, but you're, you let it in, you accept it and you keep going. That's, that's huge. You know, you know, you're, so if I can backtrack to when I got out of the hospital, I had two options. You know, I had quit and somehow find a way to end my life or forge forward and quit wasn't in my cards. Quit's not in my mantra. It's just not in me. So I forged forward. The same thing you take into races, whether this has happened to you or not. If you're listening, you're like, oh, I don't know. I want to make the jump to half Ironman, Ironman. Do it. And and fight through the pain because each door that you close, you're closer to the finish line. And it makes it harder and harder to quit. So you're, it, it is all mental. It, 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 it's 100% mental. It, it, and let's just can't be 100%. So it's 90% mental and 10% physical. Go out there with the right mindset that nothing's going to keep me from this finish line, whether it rains, whether I get a flat tire, whether you know I get a blister on my heel. Keep moving forward. That's it. Good days and bad days. You know, it all adds up. I, I just had a heck of a run in Boston and it was, it was that thing, you know, like I knew early that it was not going to be a good day for me. And, and, you know, but that's the thing, you know, do what you got to do and we'll just keep moving forward and, and getting there. Uh, you know, I had the prize of my family being in the 25th mile or, you know, the 20, 26th mile. I knew that that was going to be there and I could, can, I can kind of, uh, you know, just say, all right, nine more miles to my family, eight more miles to my family. And I, you know, I knew I was going to see them. And, uh, you know, it's just, and I got to tell you, Matt, knowing that we had you on the podcast later this week, <laughs> later that, you know, I, it was incentive enough for me to keep moving. Um, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm being honest and I'm being honest with you about that. Brian it, mentioned it. it. I will back him yeah, for this. It, it was, oh, that's great. Yeah. It was, that's great. Well, well, Brian, how could you have shown up today if you didn't? Well, exactly. Come I mean, uh, that and, and like, you know, I'm the type of guy, I'm the guy who ne- I won't even touch the race shirt until like the race is over. And, if, you know, uh, like I won't even touch it, especially like a race like Boston. They can put it in the bag. I'll put it off to the side and it won't be worn if, you know, if, if, if you know, God forbid I don't finish, uh, you know, it won't be worn. Uh, it'll go in the trash or something because I, I can't represent that. And, uh, you know, I said, all right, I can wear the shirt. I got the medal, uh, and I can talk to Matt long on thursday <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so don't ever underestimate the impact that you do have on people man uh, you know it, it, thank uh, you I, I, appreciate, I really appreciate that yeah uh, I, you know it, well, christine you had brought up before I, I had a friend in the fire department who convinced me to write the book and he basically told me um he said you he goes you don't know how powerful your story is and, and i didn't and he said i'm telling you you get a chance, you got to sit down with this guy because they had, they had come to me and said, let's pen your story, Runner's World, after they did my magazine story in Runner's World magazine. And um, Rodell wanted to make it a book. And, and <clears throat> at first I didn't want to put myself out there, but then he told me, he goes, look, you're going to touch so many people. And, and he was right. I mean, I, I, I'm just, I still, to this day, the book was released in 2010. And to this day, I still get email. Or, or I've listened to your audio book. I've read your book. Thank you. you know, no one asking me for anything, but tons and tons of thank you because they were ready to open the door with the cue on it to quit. And they shut it and moved forward and their lives are better because of what I went through. And it's crazy because you said before, why did I live? Here you go. You're yep. answering. That question is answered for you every single day. I mean, even for Brian and I sitting here, it's our lives are better because we know you, <laughs> you know, and that's, but it, but it's, you know, it sounds cheesy, but it's really true. And I actually, um, I, I 
I have to share this with you only because it's very important. Um, about two months ago, and I know that you have some involvement with Orange Theory, correct? Yes, I have. Okay, so this is why I'm bringing this up. It's not out of the... I drank the orange juice. <laughs> I'm with the Kool-Aid as well. I'm running things down here at the Jersey Shore. I live in the area. Um, so there was there's a, uh, there's a man. He's uh, in his early 30s. His name is Chris. And he actually, um, was, he's freaking awesome. He wears cool socks. He comes, works out Orange Theory with his wife. And um, he actually had a stroke at Orange Theory while he was, um, mm. was running on the treadmill, came off and he had a stroke and the coaches were so great and they, they knew the signs and ambulance came and, you know, were able to get him going and, you know, get him back, um, you know, to the hospital very quickly and it was great. So fast forward, I went to visit him in ICU. He was there for a couple of weeks and whatnot. And when I went to visit him, I was talking about, you know, the podcast and he's, you know, he's had a rough time rehabilitating and whatnot. And he's just got a great mindset. And I was up in the, the room. We were talking about different people and books. And he goes, Christine, he's like, have you ever heard of Matt Long? And I said, why? I said, why do you, why do you ask? And he said, because I just read his book. He goes, and his book really inspired me with everything going on right now with, you know, not being able to use part of my body. And he's like, I want to get back and run again. And here's my timeline. And this is what I want. And it, I, I couldn't not share that with you because I knew that we had already kind of been in the mix and talking and, and bringing you on. And, 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 uh, you know, I actually texted him last night and I said, I said, Chris, I just want to let you know that tomorrow we're going to be talking with Matt Long. And he's like, oh, that's so amazing. And I just, I have to tell you that because that is the, those are the kind of things that I'm like, wow, what an awesome, you know, Christine, have you heard of him? And, and you know what he did? And of course I'm like, yeah, but why don't you tell, you know, because that's what people need in this world. Like, you know, Brian's kind of being humbled too with what happened at the Boston Marathon even. And mm-hmm. it's just something really small that you may not think is so big, but people want to be inspired. And I just think that that is, you know, an amazing thing that you have. That is your gift. Your gift is to inspire yeah. other people. It, it, is, it is something that's um, sometimes overwhelming and, and amazing at the same time. And is if Chris tunes in, um, how, how, how is he doing right now? He's actually doing, he's doing really well. He's trying to get back into, you know, he's, he's walking, he's, you know, everything's, you know, moving forward. I mean, not perfect. He's got a long road well, ahead of him, but, um, but his well, if he's is, tuning in, if he's mm-hmm. tuning in and, and he's ready when he's coming back for his first Orange Theory class, I'll be on the treadmill next to him. I'll tell he's going to freak out. Matt oh Long. <laughs> All right, Matt, I'm, I'll let you know. We're not too far away from each other, so. You got about. Yeah, a, I can come down to Brick. I don't care. You got about an hour ride, but I think uh, I think there'll be some you know some lunch in it for you, Matt. <laughs> All right, and some glory. And I so uh, so let's let's do this. So what's what's it like now? I you know you're you're you know you're 14 years through this or 15 or uh, you know 13 years past uh, the accident and you know the Iron Man like you said was kind of uh, on your terms and and uh, you know you're done with that and. Now we know that you're working with Orange Theory, and uh, what's what's life like now? How's uh, what's your body like now? Like, where take us into like what it's like moving forward. Well, life is good. Um, I have uh, I've gotten married and have three little girls. Um, so I shouldn't say little girls, two teenagers and one little girl. 
Um, and I live out in Rockaway Beach. Uh, physically, you know, I got involved in Australia about three years ago with, um, uh, with, a, with two great partners, female partners. One of them is uh, Tara Costa of The Biggest Loser fame. Uh, she was, uh, I think, the runner-up on season five for a TV show, which was great. Cool. She's she's a really good girl. She spearheads our little group that we, uh, the studios we have in Connecticut. You know, we're in the same region, Matt. Right? We're in the tri-state. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm with you. Yeah, you know? Come with on. our boy Eli. Eli, Eli's down in Florida right now, coaching the class. Yeah, so we're Boca. all under that Eli umbrella. Um, so yeah, life is good and, and competitively. I mean, look, this is who I am. I have to have something to look forward to. So I remember I, t- I took um, I took probably six months off after the Ironman and tried to figure out where I I will uh, what opportunities were for me to fulfill my competitive nature and I got into cycling of all things. So I, I remember showing up at a bike race in Central Park and a guy you know right right next to me uh, before the gun goes off in the Cat Five race. He says, aren't you the guy that hit by the bus? And I was like, yeah, it's me. He said, what are you, what are you doing here? So I said, uh, I'm going to try the bike race. He's like, well, why don't you race with the, uh, you know, the, the para-athletes? Uh, I never looked at myself as, as a para-athlete. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. The gun goes off and the 50 cycles are gone. And I'm like, they're gone. I can't even find them. I can't see them. Mm-hmm. So I finished my six, six loops in Central Park all by myself and found that guy afterwards and he said, how'd it go? I go, not good. I go, where are those power races you talk about? <laughs> uh, and it turns out there's not many in New York in, 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 especially or in America, you would kind of have to race with, with the able-bodied cyclists. But I did. Um, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to go into the para Olympics uh, for cycling. So I went to Georgia in 2011 and raced in the Paranational Championships for long course. And I tell a funny story about it is that, you know, all the classifications start together. So it's C1, C2, C3, all the way to C5 classifications. Some are visually impaired, um, uh, neurologically impaired, and then there's amputations and blah, 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 blah. So it goes on and on. And there were just, there's maybe a hundred of us at the starting line. The gun goes off and there we go. It was a 33 mile bike race. And I finished with a, I finished uh, not in the pack or anything, but behind. And I was right behind a girl who was racing for the army with a below the knee amputation. And we're mingled with a bunch of people and they're calling out the, the, the medals and they're calling me for, uh, the C3 male champion. So before I go up to get my medal, I look at the result board, you know, like I run to the race and you look to the, where the results are being printed and posted mm-hmm. up. And I look over there. I was the only C3 classification guy racing. <laughs> right. Own it, so Matt. I, Own it. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to and then I didn't. So I stayed there and I went over to the guy and I said, I said, uh, hey, um, you just called Matt Long? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So I, that, that's me. I'll take my medal. He goes, no, not without getting up here. You're not. So, so I stood there. I said, "Well, you know what they call the the first place guy and national champion." So that's great. Looks so I, what I didn't know because paracycling in America is so far behind the Europeans. What I didn't know is that um, the time trial is what really counts, and all the all the guys in my classification were doing the time trial the next day. 
and I wasn't ready for that. So um, I talked to some people out there. I started training. This is a true story. I started training, and and I went to Florida on a cycling trip with a bunch of guys and, and girls who were going to help me train for the Paralympics in in the in London in 2012. And day one of training, 50 miles into a ride, I got hit by a Buick. Come Wait, on! What? Come on! What? Yeah, what? <laughs> Uh, Not just yeah, once, and, but and twice, Chris, Matt. Chris, what are you doing? What's happening? Christine, oh. That I remember. And it hurt like a son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> so I, I broke my arm, and the guy I was riding with broke three ribs. And that was it. That was the end of my Paralympic cycling dreams. And um, what happened next? What happened next is that uh, I started indoor rowing. Okay. There you go. Here it comes. You got the robug. Yeah. Yeah, I got the robug. Um I just got involved with the orange theory. I do like the row in there, but there's nothing like the concept too. It's it's a superior machine. Plus there's multiple, multiple uh competitions and events. So um I, I enlisted. Look, even uh qualified professionals en- enlist other professionals for help. And I suggest that to anyone that wants to embark on a competitive journey. So I found out who the local row guru was and um, I, w- I went out to him and I said, Hey, can you at least just give me some pointers, maybe two lessons on the, on the erg and help me with technique. Cause this is what I, I want to uh, feed my juices with. And he said, yeah, sure. No problem. I went out, we did a couple, couple short intervals and he said, you know, there's a race coming up in Boston called the crash Speed." And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you have to row, row a thousand meters for your category. He goes, do you want to give it a shot? So this is in like, um, the race in Boston is in February. This is probably October. And I said, okay. He goes, all right. So you're warmed up. He goes, don't, don't think of anything, but finishing this thousand meters as fast as possible. So I said, okay. So I did a thousand meter sprint on the erg as fast as I could. And he then went on his computer and said, hey, the guy in your division last year uh, was only 30 seconds in front of that time. So I was like, really? So that was it. I was, he, he just, he, he did the, the right thing at the wrong time. Cause then I shut it down. I went and bought a skier, uh, run, uh, uh, <laughs> Game uh, bought on. a concept two rowing machine. And, and now all you think it. of just, is drive with the legs, lean with the core, pull with those arms, man. <laughs> that's it. That's all I think about. And, uh, that, that was two and a half years ago. I just hit the two million meter club. Wow. I have, I am the owner of eight world records in indoor rowing. And uh, I think I'm done at eight. I don't know if I can get the others. I'm trying. but uh, So I could tell you off the top of my head here, because I put them in my, my garage gym. I train some people, and I put my certificates up so they can, they know who they're talking to. Yeah. So what do you got? So what I, have are, the, what the I have the 5,000-meter world record. I have the 30-minute world record. I have the 10,000-meter world record. I have the four-minute world record. I have the 60-minute world record. I have the 6,000-meter world record. I have the 100-meter world record. That took me 18 seconds on the, on the concept, too. <laughs> and I have the half-marathon world record at one hour and 29 minutes and 44 seconds. Matt, um, I just got fired by Brian as his partner for the <laughs> rowing for hope that so, we were going to do. So I think I just got fired. The, the, the gym that, the gym that I work at, Matt, not, this is, I'm going to throw an invite out to you if you can make it. You did. The, the gym that I work at has an event every year and it's a, and it's an indoor, uh, it's a rowing half marathon. 
and they mm-hmm. they do it as a relay teams. And uh, long story short, the, uh, the the one of the owners of my gym, uh, great guy, his wife um, had a, a brain tumors that uh, that that she died from, and uh, they raised money oh. for to uh, to for uh, cancer, um, you know, research and things. And uh, it's a it's an amazing event. I'll send you some videos because last year we had you know there's over a hundred teams on the floor, and uh, we dice up twenty one k. And you know people do it. Some people do it solo. Some people do it, you know, well, Christine and I were going to split it up, but uh, we'd love to have you as our third fit crazy on the team. Uh, it's it's May 4th, if you're interested. <laughs> May 4th. Uh, I can't tell you that I'm not trained for it. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah, send, send me that invite. I will. See if we can put that on the calendar. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It's a really it's a really cool event. I think that uh, that it would be, uh, it would be cool. To, you know, it's a, it's a great scene. It's a big, huge uh, open space gym, and uh, there's going to be hundreds of rowers on the floor and people just cranking it out. It's going to be awesome. Well, that's great. Sounds like it's for a good cause. I'm, I'm usually always game for that. If I can put that in, I, I would love to be down there. Awesome. Awesome. So, Matt, tell us now, as we're kind of wrapping up, I know we super value your time. What um, what are you up to now? I know that you're doing some speaking events. I know that, obviously, you know your book is amazing, which we're going to put all that info for all of our listeners as well so they can find out more and either download it or buy it. But what's going on with, with speaking events? What are you doing? Yeah, um, I do travel travel uh, for speaking now and then. It's it, it has slowed down quite a bit. Uh, you know, closer to the accident and the book being published, it was a, I was more of a hot request. But uh, I do travel doing speaking events, and and I really do enjoy it. Um, uh, it, it it's it's whether the audience is is thirty or or a thousand. I just want to connect with one person, and that makes it all worth it. Um, so I do that now and then, but what I'm doing really now is um, I'm, I did get involved with Orange Theory as a franchise owner, and then I became a coach at my own studio, and I, I enjoy helping people um, get the most out of life. I, I enjoy um, helping them physically push themselves to get better, uh, and and I truly believe that you know, and I, I I know that you've had Eli on, and I know you get talked about about Orange Theory all the time. I, I just truly believe that it's the one fitness concept that does it right. Look, I was training for at the Ironman and Marathon, and when I was out in the street training, I was training with my heart. When I'm on the bike, I was training with my heart. And Orange Theory Fitness is is bringing the the average Joe, the average housewife, the average dad of three into a studio and saying. You know, you no longer have to just go and break a sweat and go, oh my God, because anybody can do that. You come in here and you train with your heart. And you use that as a guide to success. And and I, I don't know, Christine, how long you've been involved with Orange Theory, but I haven't heard too many people leave saying this doesn't work for me. Right. And and I truly believe it's fitness done right. Is, that's what I tell people. I said, look, you, you want to lose weight, you want to get faster, stronger. You want to just be healthier. It, this is fitness done right. The science is there. Uh, the science speaks. Yeah, the itself, science. The science you know? is there. So, so, so I, I, I really, really enjoy the growth that I'm having with Orange Theory, and we're about to open our second studio in Connecticut, and um, and we're changing lives one heartbeat at a time, and and I, I like that. I can't wait to come guest coast coach for you at one of your studios. 
little uh we can work that little out. guest coaching appearance, you know. I'm booking. I book up fast, man. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we can work that out. Super awesome. Oh my goodness. All right, so Matt, do us a favor, tell us all of the kind of your, you know, all the info where people can find the book and whatnot. We're gonna put this up as well or you know, contact you for speaking events, things like that. Go. So I'm with uh WME speakers. Uh, so you can get them at the WME website. Uh, I also have a website, mattlongspeakers.com, and the book is on Amazon. Uh, sometimes I, I get an email through my website. I have a stockpile at home for special requests. I, I, I'll, I'll email and sign it and send it to someone who needs a, a boost in life. Um, but that's it. And then, and, and then uh, otherwise, I'm at uh, Orange Theory in Danbury, Connecticut. And now what about your, tell us about Instagram, Facebook, any of that? Oh, my Instagram, yeah. So, so I just changed it on my thing. Yeah. So I'm, I am at, um, I'm at 43 long underscore Matt at Twitter and Instagram and Facebook Matt Long Speaker. Um, yeah. And I have a foundation that I help people with, but you could always check that out. It's connected through my speaking website. Uh, it's the I Will Foundation, and you know, let's, once I stopped thinking about the words I can't, uh, I started thinking about I will, and that's when things started getting done. I buried I hope. I buried that word a couple years ago. <laughs> you got to bury I hope. I, I hope. Yeah, no, I, I hope. No, I will. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I tell you, Matt, I think, uh, you know, you said in the book, everybody's got a story and I like hearing them and, uh, you've got, uh, you've got one for the ages and, uh, you know, we just appreciate so much you coming on and, uh, and, and doing this with us and, uh, and, and just, uh, letting more people hear about it. Uh, you know, we're going to touch some people, uh, that may not be familiar with the story. And I think that, uh, you know, with that, you're, you're just, uh, you know, your, your spirit is unquestionable, you know, it's, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, just something that's, uh, that's very attractive to many people that need it. And I uh, just, you know, I just want you to keep on cranking. I know you will. Uh, and, and, uh, we know we just look forward to everything you got going on. It's been awesome for coming on for us. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. And if I could have like one parting note to anyone that's listening and we, we briefly talked about it earlier when we, when we were discussing the anger, you know, you have to let go of that quickly. The quicker you let go of any anger, if you're having a, run, a tough luck right now, whether it was an accident or illness or just your life isn't going your way, if you hold on to that anger, it's going to hold you back. So let go of the anger, let go of whatever's going on and find a way out of the hole. I don't know about anyone else, but um, I think it's pretty apparent why this happened and why you lived. I think it's pretty apparent. So Matt, we thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And my name is Christine Conti. (laughs) And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazes. (laughs) And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.